The time is seven. Sorry, ten thirty-four. <laughs> so, you know, this is something uh, Adam Raw, mm-hmm. uh, who's alongside me as co-host for this coronavirus live update special. That um, I, I guess none of us at the start of the year expected to be doing to be talking about a pandemic on a Sunday morning. But that's where we're at. It certainly has reached that point, and it's very concerning, of course, and it doesn't seem to be dying down. It seems to be getting worse by the day and by the hour as well. So I'm Alex Jensen, regular host of This Morning from 7 to 9, uh, Monday to Friday, where we will continue to bring you updates, uh, in fact, on TBS EFM as a whole through the uh, coming week. But even during the course of this morning, we've had it confirmed that Korea's got three more cases of this coronavirus strain infection, up to 15 in total, including one of the people who was brought back from Wuhan among the hundreds of evacuees over the last few days. Uh, And also the China numbers have jumped, 304 confirmed deaths, all in China, and more than 14,000 cases globally, a number which may end up being dwarfed. And let's just introduce our roundtable guests uh, right off the, the bat here. We have Frank Smith, correspondent of Deutsche Welle. Good morning to you. Good to be here. Thank you. And Dr. Yu byung from Sun Chan-hyung University Hospital. How are you, everyone? I'm sure you're well known to many of our international listeners. Yeah. Just starting with this, uh, with with you, Dr. Yu, from a medical perspective, uh, it's easy to say, oh, there's lots of deaths of influenza, lots of deaths by car, lots of deaths from all sorts of causes in the cold light of statistics. But when you get on a bus in Seoul and everyone's wearing masks and they're giving out free masks and you've got your husband or wife saying, should we do this or should we do that? It's impossible not to be psychologically affected by that. Well, before we join here, I have virtually discussed and conversed with Frank so this condition is because of very new. Mm. Very new to everybody are so afraid about new. About new is a kind of a strange thing. Strange thing makes another anxious, and anxious make another fear. Fear make a finally disease. But it's not actual disease. Why? Because now North American territory, including Canada, many people are sick and suffering from the influenza. Influenza and finally it make more than nine thousand casualties. That I'm sorry to com- comment about it, but we have to focus about these new coronavirus infections. Why? Because it's very new, and we have the bad experience from the SARS 2002 and 2014 and MERS in Korean peninsulas. But actually, let me say, I like to talk about you. Do you make a fear? Fear make a disease, but this is uh, another issue of the real virus. Yeah, so there's this great psychological mm. impact on top of the actual virus itself. There's always a scare of what you don't know, right? And uh, as, as uh, Dr. Yu said, it's certainly something that is new, does spark fears. Now, uh, Frank Smith, your home country, Canada, is also affected by this novel coronavirus. What's the situation looking like over there in terms of public sentiment and the government responses and as also the media coverage? Well, as of Friday, there were four more cases and there have been 
been calls for caution in the country, but it hasn't been categorized as a national emergency like in the United States. Um, There are calls for, of course, quarantining the potentially returning Canadians, and there has been reporting about uh, efforts by Canada to bring the Canadians, something like 200 of them, that are still in Wuhan back uh, into the country. There have also been reports about uh, a backlash against the the Chinese community in Canada facing discrimination at school and businesses. Some employees even told to stay home. At the same time, that community has been coming together in in support of each other and organizing donations, drives and that type of thing. In my hometown, um, Vancouver, some Chinese New Year's events have been cancelled in the country. And and again, in my home uh hometown Vancouver, those events have, they've decided um, to go ahead. The government says that the risk uh, remains low, but the media is highlighting that failure so far of the government to get, you know, the Canadians um, back into the country. Vancouver is a great example, actually, globally, because I I also have family there. And uh, whenever I visited, I've been struck by the fact that you'll often see signage in English, French and in Chinese. Uh, It would be impossible to just say in a city like Vancouver, let's cut ourselves off from China. Yes, it is. It's one of the most international cities uh, in the country. It's nicknamed sometimes Hongkouver, the most appropriate Mm. nickname. And there are also efforts there, and, and you've heard this here in South Korea as well, as well to debunk the fake news that's out there. There was one report suggesting that the virus was developed in Canada and stolen by spies and sent to wow. China, you know, and then well, you hear this spooky music sometimes in the reporting. Exactly right. They're, and Dr. Yu, they're even trying to make a comparison between this virus and other viruses. And what happens is they'll present some medical type literature to you with diagrams and pictures of viruses close up and they'll say, oh, this is X percent similar to SARS, but it's also X percent similar to HIV or it has HIV insertions and could be a bioweapon. <laughs> What's your advice to people when they are seeing loved ones, people they respect, sharing that sort of information with them? How can they verify whether it's true or not? Let's back to review about the coronavirus. Coronavirus is quite familiar for human beings because four types of the coronavirus, we got it since when we are young. It makes the catching calls. But fifth, sixth, and this seventh the new one is experienced from the SARS. It was fifth. And the MERS, the sixth, is variant of the virus. It makes a new response in our human being. That's why we are worried about it. But typically, generally, coronavirus make catching cold. There are no medicine, no way to prevent the cold. We have many vaccines to against more serious, but there are no medicine, typical medicine, specific medicine for common cold and no vaccine for common cold. But this coronavirus is a little variant. Few years later, probably we're going to have a new experience of the eighth. I hope not, but yes, we will have because our technology can detect it. If we live in, in Stone Age, we will die without any ideas. But our technologies, our BDRs immediately can spread more faster than virus. Our mm. media can impact the people. So I would like to say coronavirus always with us. But mm. this time it's a little different. Now, let's, uh, we have someone else on the phone on the line to 
kind of give us a little bit more details into this outbreak. Dr. Wilbur Chen from the Center for Vaccine Development and Global Health at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Uh, we're going to get a, a different perspective on this epidemic. Uh, Dr. Chen, welcome. Hi, good morning. Thank you. Now, what is your general assessment of this uh, novel coronavirus situation as compared to these other previous epidemics as we've seen in SARS and MERS and whatnot? So uh, recognizing it's a rapidly evolving situation, um, right now this novel coronavirus has exceeded SARS and certainly has already exceeded MERS. And so um, so it appears that, um, again, uh, there has been a public health emergency of international importance. So, you know, uh, a pandemic has been declared. And so I think that's appropriate. I, I think that... Uh, The realistic expectation is that we'll see, uh, continue to see global spread. Hopefully, uh, the intensity will decrease if uh, public health authorities continue to uh, be uh, very vigilant uh, with enforcing uh, travel and other means of trying to uh, prevent the, uh, the transmission of this infection. Um, you know, just bringing up SARS and MERS, so SARS... Um, I think in totality was about 8,000 cases after a little over uh, seven or eight months of uh, transmission and had a case fatality rate of about 10%. And so this coronavirus we're seeing has now, at least uh, my count that I've seen, is about 14,000 cases. So it's more than the 8,000 that we saw in SARS in a in, uh, much shorter period of time. So, so again, um, you know, my assessment is that we have to be Uh, very much uh, vigilant with kind of uh, our continuous surveillance and uh, trying to stop this infection. Is there anything to be said about some of the trends that have been noticed in this very short period of time that many of those in, uh, spreading it, for example, happen to be male adults? Could it be coincidental? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that this is probably um, just a phenomenon of perhaps we're seeing that the initial cases are male and maybe because they are the ones that are in uh, perhaps occupations or areas where there has been uh, initial transmissions in the epicenter. But I, I really don't believe that there is a, uh, a, a preference for this virus to be infecting uh, men rather than women. Uh, we do see a trend for Uh, more severe illness with this infection uh, for older adults and for those with underlying chronic conditions. But again, I don't think that there's a sex preference with this virus. You're right. And uh, there are some developing countries and uh, cities, including Wuhan, that are suffering from a deficit of medical supplies. That's one of the reasons why the WHO kind of declared this a global emergency because of the concerns of it reaching uh, countries with weaker health systems or territories with weaker health systems. How would you affect, uh, how would this affect the patient's treatment overall? Yeah, this is actually a, a major concern. Even in well-developed and industrialized countries that, that may have vast resources, um, you know, medical supplies, even with large stockpiles, can be easily used up very rapidly. And so, um, you know, I, I feel badly for the, for the doctors and the public health workers that are in Wuhan and in the Hubei province because uh, 
you know, I understand that they are working with, with large deficits in the necessary medical supplies, uh, which might be just gloves and gowns and masking uh, just to be, even protect themselves or others around them in the hospital. Uh, but certainly, you know, um, IV fluids and other kind of normal treatments that we need for supportive care for patients in hospital, again, are probably in short supply. Uh, a lot of, um, because of uh, travel bans and limitations with travel, that also includes uh, their abilities to bring in supplies to these areas. So um, food as well as necessary medical equipment. So I think that this is um, certainly recognizing that um, in China, definitely, but certainly as we watch this globally spread, even if you have, and I think right now the statistic is, what, 12 cases right now in South Korea? 15 as of this morning, but that just changed in the last hour or so. Oh, well, thank you. But, But even that, you know, my point is that even 15 or even 20 um, probably are using large resources compared to what you might see with the standard influenza or something else, even though we know that influenza right now is, is a widespread infection. And in fact, probably in South Korea right now, they're, just as in the U.S., people are um, maybe panicked or, or worried about uh, this novel coronavirus, but I think that even right now, um, it's more likely for the common person uh, in our populations to encounter influenza infection. But, but yeah. going back to my point, really, is that you know these medical supplies um, can be easily used uh, very quickly uh, just for the standard of care that is needed uh, for the support of these uh, patients that are infected with this infection. And as we try to stamp out this infection again, we are using measures where, uh, you know, these, the limited supply of these medical uh, resources are being used. So, um, so I think that it is a, a great concern. Dr. Chen, we are out of time. We're having a roundtable discussion here. In like 10 seconds or so, what is the name that you're using for this particular outbreak? I would call it the 2019 novel coronavirus. Thank you for clarification. Geographic designation. Thank you. Dr. Wilbur Chen, uh, speaking to us out of the University of Maryland School of Medicine. The reason we ask that, of course, is because a lot of people had been calling it things like Wuhan, pneumonia, uh, and others. Uh, Dr. Yu, you have been here, like all of us in this room, uh, for a few years, and, and, and you will have seen, for example, the response to SARS. But you also would have seen the, the response to MERS in 2015. I don't I remember it being a big deal, and we had dozens of people actually die in this country because of MERS, but it it didn't seem to be gripping social media and general sense of panic in quite the same way. And I I suspect that's because this is a global thing. This is my idea, exactly the same. Because the MERS, so unfortunately, 186 Korean people are infected, and finally, 38 people. Victims is happening. So it's compared then the casualties for, from the annual influenza. Is annual influenza more than 2,000 people are dying? But compared then, so MERS and the SARS in previous is a little late, little low. But we are so afraid because everything's new. Even our expert cannot confirm the 100% about it. That's why. People are confused and they get afraid about it. I agree about your ideas. Now, uh, Mr. Smith, 
coming back to your home country of Canada again, okay. uh, do you see a difference in the reaction, uh, both in terms of media coverage and public response uh, compared to Korea about this outbreak? Sure, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's quite a bit calmer. We need to remember, you know, kind of a rule in media in terms of the size of a story that the key factor is proximity. Mm. Uh, South Korea is right next to China. It's leading trading partner. Right. There's a lot more sort of interchange going on mm. uh, between South Korea and China than, than Canada and South Korea. Uh, at the same time, I think the, the media in Canada is in a different position in terms of public perception. I think people in Canada maybe tend to trust the media a little bit more, and, and the sensationalism uh, attached to the story maybe is, is, is quite a bit less there. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some key sort of uh, differences as well, in, in, and you mentioned uh, SARS. Uh, China released the biological information uh, of this virus, and so... Uh, you know, the, the experience is, is different. They're able to identify it uh, quicker. Uh, Canada did learn something um, from STARS. There were changes in the, in the budgets and behavior at hospitals, um, including things like, you know, the ventilation systems and uh, infrastructure there. So with that, you know, and that transparency, that's taken place in the media and the coverage that uh, I think it's a little bit different than here in South Korea where you see sort of a plethora of fake news influencing people's Mm. perspective. And um, I know that you cover North Korea-related stories a lot uh, at the outlet that you work at. And um, can you tell us a bit more about how the North is dealing with the current situation? And are there any cues maybe that South Korea could take from their measures or... Vice versa. Well, I think very interestingly, uh, uh, North Korea has emphasized what I call public service journalism. Mm. It's telling people how to behave, how to combat Mm -hmm. the virus. That's a major part of their, you know, media. Uh, expression there. Mm -hmm. Here in South Korea and in the United States, there's a lot more sort of fear-mongering, clickbaity type of news production as opposed to, again, public service Mm -hmm. journalism, which, of course, you're not seeing at all in North Korea. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we need to recognize transparency is the most important part of this, Mm -hmm. getting that news out. Mm -hmm. Uh, In China, now they recognize they're not going to be able to do that like they could before. You know, one of the very interesting interviews in this program was hearing from that student in Wuhan telling Mm -hmm. about, you know, her experience there. That's key in Mm -hmm. forcing, again, the government to come out with the truth. And that truth is, is key in, you know, combating the spread um, of the virus in North Korea. You're not having that. And that can be quite concerning. Although, again, that border between China and North Korea is definitely, mm. you know, less porous mm. than uh, relations between China and the rest of the world. Not, not that North Korea was able to keep African swine fever out. I mean, keeping people out, I suppose, is a lot easier than keeping birds, pigs and Like especially wild boar and, and things of that nature out of a country. D- Dr. Yu, you do a lot of work a- abroad, don't you? Uh, and it's these developing countries that have raised particular concerns for how they can cope with the virus. But also, some of the footage in the last few days, to me, has been rather shocking because it's highlighted the conditions of some of these markets. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to pick on particular Southeast Asian nations or on China, but 
it's safe to say that there are things going on there that look like a disaster waiting to happen with all the bats, the snakes, the dogs, the cats, the, you know, some alive, some dead in warm conditions, just laid out waiting to be purchased and eaten. That, that doesn't seem like something that we can continue to do indefinitely without having some sort of viral outbreak. Well, but we cannot judge about the, some the customs and tradition for the eatings because the different countries, they have different habits and the customs on their living life. But we have to think about 100 years before, people want to move from Hong Kong to London. It mm. takes more than a month. But now... Half days enough to go, which means the virus cannot stop in somewhere after the outbreak. So, which means some habits and some things specific from the somewhere. But now we live like it's like the global citizens. Virus, African swine fever happening, but it's already spreading all of. Probably this novel coronavirus 2019 will passing all over the world. And then it will go away. But I mean, coming to you as a as a more journalistic perspective, uh, Frank Smith, it, if you were to be looking at a dystopian novel, it, it, you could easily imagine it starting in this sort of place. Uh, and, and if I was investigating as a foreign correspondent, I'd be very interested in the practices in these markets and the kind of precautions people might take in the future to prevent to prevent a, a pandemic that might be far more deadly than novel coronavirus 2019. Well, sure. I'm, re- I'm reminded of, you know, my, my years actually in the restaurant industry where I had to take what's called a food safe course before mm. um, I, I started my job. And it, it involved uh, understanding what's called the danger zone, which is uh, room temperature. And you do not want to keep food, especially meat, at room temperature. You want it to be frozen or refrigerated before it is sold and cooked. And then over, you know, that very hot temperature when it's being cooked, before it's consumed. Not sitting around at room temperature. That's where that really sort of dangerous, you know, microbes, I guess, uh, can develop and, and, and affect us much more seriously. But certainly when you mention uh, dystopian um, potential futures, I think... Uh, Again, these markets reading about the different various exotic creatures that, right. that are Especially being traded. Bats, which are known yeah. to be hosts for coronavirus, but or various strains. Not that I want to pick on ancient cultures that may have been doing this for such a long time, uh, but it does seem like something that has to be addressed. Uh, we are out of time, Frank Smith, Dr. Yu. It's been a pleasure having you both here for our roundtable discussion. Thank you for coming in. Uh, we also have Adam Raw here acting as co-host, which is a pleasure to have you here today, Adam. You're more than welcome. Let's continue uh, for another hour here on TBS EFM's novel coronavirus 2019 special.